and welcome to Scale Your Sales podcast, listed in 2020 as number eight of 42 best podcasts for every sales professional. I am your host, Janice B. Gordon, the customer growth expert and author of Business Evolution, Creating Growth in a Rapidly Changing World. I created Scale Your Sales Framework to develop leading edge capabilities to secure, retain and grow key customer relationships for long-term value and partnership. Join me each week to learn from amazing B2B sales and business experts and influencers. Tune in for actionable insights and strategies. Are you ready to scale your sales? My next guest is the CRO of VanillaSoft. He is a top 50 sales keynote speaker, a 2020 top 10 branding expert, a social media influencer, and a category leading podcaster and serial entrepreneur. He has raised almost $100 million in funding, has been an acquirer and acquired and gone public. And he's only been fired once. Now, frankly, I think he's just not trying hard enough. So welcome to Scale Yourselves podcast, Daryl Perel. All of those obnoxious and annoying statements you just said are all eclipsed by the fact that I'm here today with you, Janice. And this is the pinnacle right here. And I'm thrilled to be here. <laughs> and, I, and, you know, rightly so, rightly so. Damn straight. <laughs> so, first of all, we were talking about um, Outbound Conference. Tell me yeah. about that, because I've seen it promoted all over social media. What is VanillaSoft doing, and what are you doing? Okay, well, you know, some would say never enough, but that's just me talking to my CEO, not that I'm bitter about this. Um, so Outbound Conference, for those who don't, don't know, just quick and dirty, I always describe it as the industry's best sales events put on by sales reps for sales reps. There's no vendor bias. There's no research firm bias. There's no association, you know, whatever. This is just pure good stuff. What's interesting about this one is it's actually taking place live and in person in the middle of June, which is crazy. But of course, you don't have to go there live. You can watch it virtually to give options. And it's really simple. Go to outboundconference.com. What is VanillaSoft doing? We are the premier top dog sponsor. Um, and we're very selective, believe it or not. I know we're also cheap. I don't have a lot of money. I'm poor. And uh, so we put our money in the events that really resonate with our audience. And that's this one. You've got the four key organizers, Jeb Blunt, Mark Hunter, Anthony Annarino, Victor Antonio. And that's just the start. Oh, and there might be some other people. You wouldn't know anybody, would you, Janice? <laughs> I've interviewed some of them. But let me say something. You've mentioned men to me. And, I, you know, I, it wouldn't yes. be Janice B. Gordon had, you know, I not pulled you up on that. And I hope that kind yes. of goes through. Four key people leading the event. Where are the women? The women are all there. I'm looking at the actual organizer. The original Victor Antonio replaced Mike Weinberg. Those were the four that founded the show. And you're spot yeah. on. There's amazing women there uh, above and, and people you would all recognize. Uh, Sherry Levitin, uh, Colleen Francis, uh, Meredith Elliott Powell, 
the list goes on. I don't I want to stop now before I get myself in trouble because I have to get too far. I'll forget somebody and then they'll yell at me and that's not good. But it's a it's actually it's a very diverse and eclectic collection of people. And it's not all just sales. There's some marketing as well, messaging, that kind of stuff, playbooks, that kind of, where, where you go. And it's it is the topics are like like you can tell it's written by salespeople, men, women, diversity. Um I'm, all I got to say to you, just go to outboundconference.com. The agenda is there. You'll see they have bios of every single speaker. Now, here, Janice, I have something you're going to love, all right? Here's yeah. something you may not know. This is one of those little Easter eggs. If you go to outboundconference.com and you click on the VanillaSoft logo, mm -hmm. it takes you to a separate landing page where all of the recent content and social media posts for every single speaker is wow. there and constantly updated. So if you want to kind of kick the tires on which speakers would you rather hang out with and, and drop in on their session, that's a great place to go. That's a great feature. I've not, not heard of that before in a, a conference. Yeah, I know. It's almost like the people at VanillaSoft are <laughs> thinking like salespeople. <laughs> almost like. <laughs> almost like. Okay, so let me ask you about, I mean, you're unique and different in several ways, but one of them is that uh, you took on a CRO role from a CMO role. How did that come about and why? Okay, yeah, so that's the short, the, the, what do we want to say this? The, the, the short answer on this was I was stupid. Um, <laughs> How did that come about? Like anything else, right? You have goals and objectives. Companies want to make it. And if you don't hit them, you try a few other things and ultimately a decision comes to be. And so they had the decision to say a couple, you know, pretty straightforward. Do we replace the individual with another VP of sales? We previously had a VP of sales, not a chief revenue officer. Okay. We replace that person, right? And um, it was interesting. What I was told was this. This is, I'm getting this kind of a little bit secondhand. They went through this process that said, well, if we bring in, a top tier CRO, I'm sorry, a CRO or a VP of sales, a VP of sales, it's going to take a real long time to find that top, 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 like top dog. So then, but we can probably get, uh, you know, kind of like a, 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 an emerging almost top dog within the next year or two uh, fairly quickly. But then there was concern that, this is their words, Daryl would chew them up and spit them out. So uh, I'm not sure if that's a good reputation for me to have or not. You figure that one out. So ultimately, they'd come to me. I had actually expressed about a year prior uh, saying, if we ever get to this point, you know, I will raise my hand for consideration if you think it makes sense. And so during that process, and, and just to be clear, at the time, uh, the, yeah, they mocked me. That's right. We're going to put a marketer in charge of revenue. Yeah, nice try, Prail. We know you carried a bag. We know you were a VP of sales before, but that was years ago. Go away. Um, but I think upon reflection, they recognized that the world had changed, mm -hmm. which is sales and marketing has really grayed out. And for you to have a true customer experience, you actually need somebody who understands both disciplines. Because um, otherwise, what happens is you end up having sales versus marketing, no matter how talented people are. You know, do I have my budget and your people suck? We've made all these leads, but you've not closed them. Well, your leads suck. And that's why I never call your leads. And I want your budget instead. And you have this back and forth, and that's dysfunctional. So when they presented me the job offer, it was on a couple of conditions, one of which was 
if you take this job, we need you to be the chief revenue officer and backfill a head of sales and a head of marketing. You can't do one or both. You need to be overarching and make sure the team works together. And that was one of their conditions. I had several, uh, a couple of which you might find interesting. I wanted to build a, a, a revenue ops team out. I needed budget. I wanted to build a sales enablement team out. I needed budget. I wanted to be able to hire a rep anywhere in the world that made sense. And this was pre-COVID. And, uh, and they said, yep. So we negotiated, and that's where you're at. And I, but big time is it reflects the reality of the modern revenue organization. It is truly, you know, when an SDR or an AE comes to me and starts talking about open rates, then you know the world has changed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it seems that actually this was the best way to do it because companies need to move from the either or to the actually we're talking about the customer. And so yes. the customer doesn't care if it's the sales or the marketing. We're talking about the customer. So it seems like it, um, how many years ago was this now? This is a couple of this, years? This, uh, that, this happened in July of 2020. So it's going yeah, on a year yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. But um, this is where organizations absolutely have to go. Absolutely have to go. Yeah. Well, here's the biggest thing, right? You talk about alignment. Now they're all reporting to me. So there will be alignment, damn it. Mm. But the best part is like the first thing I did, and sales reps will find this interesting. First thing I did was I took money from marketing and I invested more in sales because we had holes to fill and now I owned it. Whereas before, when I was the chief marketing officer, there was no way in hell the sales organization was getting my budget. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But now that I owned it all, well, yeah. we're one big family and we're just moving money and people around. Yeah. That's the biggest way to look at it. Yeah, and, and that absolutely makes sense. And it's a better investment of money to it's going it to is. get the, the better outcome, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It makes yeah. marketing more aware of sales and outcomes. And it makes sales more aware of messaging and targeting and audiences and best practices on how you go to certain channels. So they really start to cross-pollinate and they're on the same team. They're not fighting each other. They're working together. So it was kind of like getting cats and dogs to play nice together. But, you know, mm. we all know in the right house, cats and dogs can be best friends. Yeah. And then something else I think is kind of leading the way in that you're a real figurehead, your brand, you know, and then you've got the company brand and the way that that happened, because now we'll have, you know, a good friend of mine is Tiffany Bova. And, you know, so yeah. although you've got um, Salesforce, she has her own, her own brand and the two kind of leverage one another. You know, isn't they're not in competition with one another. They're supporting and leveraging one another. But again, I think it's quite difficult for organizations to um, develop their um, thought leaders to be separate, to be, um, you know, their own brand within an organization. So for you, how did that happen? That happened out of necessity. Um, because we were in a category sales engagement and we, and we weren't number one or number two, most categories have a one, two, right? Coke and Pepsi, you know, uh, IBM and Microsoft once upon a time, Ford and GM, if you're in the U S so there's always those two category leaders. And if you're the third or the fourth in entrant in the category, you can have a decent revenue and whatnot, but it's hard to get the noise and the visibility. That's where we were. We were number three. So how do we get the visibility? Cause the other part was. We hadn't raised 300 million in venture capital like my two competitors, Sales Loft and Outreach had. 
So we had raised less than 1% of that, a different business model we were going down the road on. So how do we, how do we get notoriety and visibility um, while having a lot less money and not being one of the top two established category players? And that was where branding came in. We recognize branding is actually pretty damn affordable. You can make good content. You can, you know, do the dog and pony. You can hang out with people like Janice Gordon, you know, Janice Gordon. Right, my brand has grown because of that. And, um, and by doing that, that we recognized we had to leave the corporate channels. Like we had like almost 40,000 people following Vanilla Soft on Twitter. That's not insignificant. Mm. But the reality was there were always going to be some faceless entity. Oh, it's Vanilla Soft. So... I'm like, I, I looked around and I said, is there, are there any volunteers? And nobody put their hand up. So I get, I said, okay, then I guess it's gotta be me out of, you know, process of elimination. Other companies have done a good job on that. With, I look at Gong. Gong's done a great job on that, right? They had Chris Orlob for a while there. Then they had Devin Reed. Uh, then they got Sarah Brazier. So Sarah Brazier is a great, shut her office in SDR, became an AAE. But they put the power of social behind her. Um, she's engaging. She's funny. She's personable. So those are people who have their own brand, but can still represent the company. I've even had people come to me. I've had my own staff come to me. It's kind of funny when it happens saying, we just kind of clued in. Okay. On what? You're so synonymous with Vanilla Soft. Are they able to fire you if they don't like your results as CRO? And I said, ah, that's the other side, right? So it, I said, does it give me a little extra job security? Yes. But ultimately, can they fire me? Yes, you know, in the end, results matter. So, but you're right. And, and there's so many people out there who are doing this. But for those of you who ha don't have the big funds, aren't the category leader, branding's where it's at. Find yourself a personable CEO or figurehead. Again, Sarah started off as an SDR. She was mm -hmm. as low on the totem pole as you can get. Yet mm -hmm. she still was able to use her own branding uh, with some support from the company to create notoriety and awareness for gone. Mm. There's there's a lot of talking about SDRs, there are a lot of SDRs that are doing that at the moment, that they're, you know, kind of Morgan um, Ingram and, you know, Morgan there's Ingram. lots of yep. them that are actually developing their own brand, whoever they're working for um, and, you know, getting out there. So I think that there's, there's a lot to be said. There's a lot more examples now, but at the time when you were doing these things, it was yeah, early days. Yeah, it was really early days, really early yeah. days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So kudos. I know to I'm you. A, Well, thank <laughs> you so much for that. And it's harder these days, I acknowledge. You know, a good example of doing that again is Clubhouse. And I'm at that point in time saying, do I jump in? A, and I am in a Clubhouse, but only passively. I'm yeah. like, do I go all in hard because that's going to be the next one? Or, you know, will Twitter usurp it or some other firm? So, it, it, timing is always interesting. That's the, the hardest part. Yeah, it's it certainly is. Um, uh, and I'm an Android user, so I've only just got gotten onto it. But, you know, like, you've only got so much time, really, haven't you? That's you've the issue. To, yeah. Yes. Make a decision. If you're going to go in, you've got to invest the time and be, you know, in. <laughs> and that's why I try to tell people, if you're going to do it because of that right there, what you just said, I'm like, just pick one platform. Don't try to be everywhere. Instagram, LinkedIn, yeah. Facebook. Twitter, Clubhouse, just pick one and do it really, really well. And make sure it's the one where your your target audience is at. That's yeah. obviously the place, right? The thing I tell people is don't get hung up on the vanity metrics. Vanity metrics come in time. Mm. You know, just focus on making great content. I said, what most people forget is that most of the content consumed online is consumed by people who are lurking, 
right? So I would say to you, Janice, how many times have you actually commented on my stuff? And I don't know the answer, but I'm going to guess probably not much, but you've seen a lot of it. And that's what people yeah. forget yeah. is that it's the lurking part. Your reputation will establish yourself. Ignore the vanity metrics for the first year, at mm. least when you're doing yeah. this. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I find a lot of clients that say, oh, we've been following for you for one. They can yes! actually quote the things that I did two years ago that even I forgot about. They're lurking yes. and they only pop up when they decide that they, you know, they're ready for you. Yeah, that's yeah. just it. And people forget that. So thank you for bringing that up. You're spot on. Yeah. Yeah. So let me um talk about what have you been doing over the last year or so? What's been your focus? We've all been in a pandemic and that word pivot. I'll throw that one at you. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. What, what's been your real focus? So a couple of things. Uh, obviously, when the when the pandemic hit the P word, um, we did just that. We pivoted. And that was interesting because it's been a long time since I've been part of a global pandemic, a couple of years, maybe even a decade. I don't know. How about you? It's, it, it, you're, your pandemic experience is probably more recent than mine. Uh, and you're looking around going, what the hell do we do? Right. And, and it's funny, right? Because you're all, you're sitting at the executive table, like you're supposed to have the answers and you're looking at each other. Do you know? No, I don't know. Do you know? I don't know. I don't know. The hell I mean. What's so-and-so doing? And this is all this navel gazing going on for a while. But in the end, we pivoted hard. We let go of the markets that we were having mixed results in, you know, the more in growth markets. And we just focused on our core markets instead and, and went big. And that was brilliant. That was the absolute right thing to do. We never downsized. We actually grew our headcount through the whole process. Um, the work from home transition worked out well for us. That was a big part of the corporation. From me personally, the biggest part when I took on, because I had taken on the CRO job in July, I was still building out the organization. And we, we went from almost a 100% inbound run organization to a double funnel of inbound and outbound to facilitate outbound. We went to all ABM. To make ABM happen, we made an investment. We had to go into salesforce.com, which we'd never had before. We just we used vanilla soft. So now we have mm -hmm. a, you know, a stack and we had terminus for ABM. And then we brought in sales enablement solutions like seismic. Then we brought in chorus, conversational intelligence. And then we, then we like mapped, we're working with some of the experts out there on sales methodologies and frameworks. In other words, what you're really saying, hearing me say is most of my time as CRO has been sent has been spent defining the process for repeatability and scalability uh, and then putting infrastructure in place followed by or in parallel with completely revamping the hiring and the onboarding process to get the right team that reflects the culture of what I wanted. So it has been a bitch of a year. I'm not going to lie. There's days when I just want to drink excessively and not come up for air for a week or two. Um, I have, I have learned along the way that I make an excellent therapist. That's what the biggest thing is, right? Because it's like, everybody's like, oh, there's always an excuse. So whether it's your home life, your personal life, your love life, your inability to learn, your inability to manage your time, all of this, the process bubbles all of these issues up, which is why you then go back to hiring better and making sure best practices are there and get the right team and culture. So I like to say that I've been kicking ass and doing fantastic numbers. We're doing decent numbers. We're hitting our we're hitting our quota, our targets, which is good. But uh, we're not blowing them out of the water because we're doing so much transition. But it's good. It had to happen. After all, they they made a change. So if I didn't do that, then why would they have made the change in the first place? 
So for those of you thinking you want to be a CRO, trust me, the title sounds cool. The real job sucks. Well, I think also it was be, you're in a you were in a pandemic. So, you know, this process probably would have happened over, I don't know, two years. You've had yes. to do it in nine months. That's been yes. the thing, really. That's but the difference the is you're geared up and you're ready and more agile in the team that you've got for whatever may happen in the future that you probably wouldn't have been had this not happened. I had this conversation this morning with my head of RevOps, and we meet every, meet every week, as you might imagine, over the numbers. And I made a comment to him. I said, you know, the average CRO has a lifespan of 18 months or head of sales. And uh, I said, so I'm over the halfway mark. Um, and I said, if I got my ass fired tomorrow, I said, the next person coming in, seeing all the process and infrastructure and, 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 and everything that we put in place are going to go sweet. Like, look what I landed in, right? Yeah. But I won't lie. You nailed it. Moving at such a fast pace has put strain on the organization and on the players. Um, but in the same breath, what a little bit of strain is always a great way to find, for lack of a better word, the weaknesses in your organization because yeah. it becomes really apparent and then you can address them, which is a good thing. Ultimately, it's a good thing. Mm, yeah yeah now you need a company holiday for everybody <laughs> yeah we just had one oh, did literally you? yeah april 30th we had it. it was a friday our ceo about two weeks before that said we're all tired covid yeah. sucks and yeah. we had a company-wide unplanned covid holiday one day only but yeah. everybody was paid and they said take a long weekend yeah. and it was awesome oh brilliant okay <laughs> I thought it was being original there. <laughs> well, you are. You're just a smart thinker, my CEO, and you would get along well. Oh, good. <laughs> right. I want to talk about um, uh, diversity um, yes. because this is something that I've been, what's well, part of the podcast, because, you know, as a black woman, I don't see that there is enough diversity in sales. And so, you know, you've got to be the per that you know what you want to see so I always ask this this question on on diversity and whether you feel that it it, it has transitioned enough in the sales industry if you feel that you know there needs to be more that that's done and of course this year with um the Floyd issue and you know yep. Black Lives Matters and, and all yep. of that so What's your view uh, on where we're at and where we need to go? I love it, Jazz. You don't ask the hard questions. That's good. Um, so, where is, so, okay, full disclosure, I'll give you my point of view as a 53-year-old white man. All right, so context. I want to say that up front. Um, however, in my opinion, and I always have an opinion, my Twitter handle is opinionated, is this. Uh, have we come far enough? No. I, mean, I can look at the whole Floyd thing and Black Lives Matters and all that happened in the States. And has that changed behaviors? Well, maybe a little, but there's a lot of people that are still doing what they used to do all the time, right? And that's even what you're seeing reported on these days. And I think the sales world is a reflection of that. I think we're far more aware now because of advocacy groups, uh, women in sales, a whole bunch of advocacy groups out there on the role of women, and that's great. And every year we have International Women's Day or whatever, we do like some serious, serious promotion and content around that um, to drive that home. Uh, total sidebar, uh, over 80% of my sales force are women, just total, which is weird. 
uh, because that's not how it began, but that's where we're at today because they make awesome sales reps. Does that affect black or any other person of color uh, in the sales world? No, we don't have enough. Like we literally do not have enough relative to the industry. And I don't understand that. Now, I look at Vanilla Soft. I had this conversation the day I was hiring. I just hired an SDR yesterday. And in the interview, she asked me the question, wonderful person, she asked me the question about diversity. And I said, here's what I can tell you. And, and this is how we view it. I said, we have been very intentional about our hiring practices at Vanilla Soft. And I'm only using this as an example to show our mindset. A cause and effect, good and bad. I said, over the last uh, almost four years that I've been here, we now have over 25% of our population are immigrants, you know, first generation to the country. English is not their first language. As a result of that, we have a vast majority of that who are non-Caucasian. All right. Um, the, we, we've got a lot more women, especially I mentioned the sales side, a big change there. So we have people of color, we have women. We are excited and we celebrate um, the LGBTQ community. Um, my own daughter is trans. And by the way, she's a solution engineer at Vanilla Soft. So that's, we, 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 we look around and we love the diversity. But if you look at the, at the Vanilla Soft leadership team, and this is, I think, indicative of the industry, which is your question. Mm. There's a lot of white people and there's only a handful of women, mm. right? We don't have a lot of color on our leadership team. That's wrong. We're very aware of it. But I can't replace people. But when the openings come up, then clearly there we go. But I find, no, the industry's not done far enough. Mm -hmm. Not at all. And mm -hmm. it bugs me. Yeah. That's yeah. my opinion. I think you, that, that if you haven't got enough people um, in the pipeline, then you're not going to have enough people to select from in the leadership. But it has to be a whole industry um, initiative. And, uh, and I think the more we talk about it and pull each other up on it, the more it will happen because you can't forget about it. You know, you, you're going to get that, that question. So, you know, I, um, I'm grateful for your, your openness and, and honesty on it. it. I am desperately seeking more applicants from people of color. And I said that with all sincerity, I have seven open positions I'm filling right now. I may not sound like a lot to some companies. It's a lot for us. And I'm telling you folks, if you want to work for a cool company and you want to work for an inclusive company, please come to us. Um, it's, oh, let, me, let, me, let me flip this back around on you, Janice. So if you don't mind me, let me flip the tables on you. What can I in my role do better to make this a better world so that we are more inclusive, so we are engaging more people of color. We are being more inclusive. We are being more diverse. If you could, if I could ask you for advice, what yeah. advice would you give me? I, I think it's difficult for people to feel that they are going to be a good fit for an organization if what they see doesn't reflect back at them. Yeah. And I think, and so it's a bit of a chicken and egg, really. And I think it's actually reaching out to the community groups that you want to target. So you're actually placing yourself within their environment and having the conversation. So they can say, oh, well, it may not be that this, you know, the leadership team reflects this, but the leadership team is in my community, in my space and having that conversation. So I feel that they are a bit more open. What happens is I, 
I, I've been working um, with diversity for about the last 80 years, not 80 years, uh, 18 years, or <laughs> no, 80 years. I, I look really good, don't I? And um, organisations often say to me, well, we, we put out, uh, we recruit and they don't apply. Well, actually, they, where they are recruiting is in the same space they recruited previously. So people, if they're not looking, it's like fishing in the right pond, first of all. Yeah. So your outreach has got to go to them because they're not going to come to you. And then you've got to have a conversation in the community so they feel that it is an open door. And then whenever you've got representative people, they need to have a voice in the company because that's what they're looking for. It's, it's this, okay, there may be a few you know, um, diverse people there, but they don't have a voice. <laughs> You know, so if I go there, I'm not going to be able to have a voice either. So it's actually yeah. that whole visibility. But I think the first thing is you've got to go where they are and fish in their pond and have the conversation in their pond rather than expect them to, to come to you. All right. So after our, our conversation, I want to reach out to you and I want to talk about, I want to coordinate with you on some, some uh, communities that you can recommend I get involved in because, uh, and how else we can better support, you know, this effort. Anyway, you're you're hitting something that I'm I get fired up about, so I apologize. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, don't apologize. We want to be having the conversation, and part of this is I can direct people to hear you say this, you know. So I can already put this out in those communities, and people think, Please oh, really? Do. Right, you know. There was um I um interviewed um Julie Mann, who was brilliant, yes. Julie Mann, yeah. and she said, oh, I'm I'm recruiting. So actually one or two people that were SDRs, you know, the kind of looking for work on, on LinkedIn, I put it in front of them. And I know at least one of the two people actually approached her, you know, so you never know. You absolutely never know. It's I'm hiring folks. Send me your damn application. Connect <laughs> with me on LinkedIn. You want to get hired? Show me you know your stuff. Connect with me on LinkedIn. Personalize the outreach. Give me context that you heard me with Janice. All right. Tell me what you got. Let's make this happen. Yeah, well, let's make it happen. All right, let me ask you, if you're on a desert island on your own, what's the one thing you would take with you? Oh, uh, I'm going to sound really old school here. Uh, and it's probably because I've watched too many uh, episodes of Gilligan's Island, um, which is I would bring a radio. You ever watch Gilligan's Island? For those of you who don't know who, who even know what the show is, everything was always the radio. They would zoom in and they would listen to the radio and they'd always hear the announcer because even though they were shipwrecked, they could still pick up the signals and what was going on in the mainland. And that was how they kept in, 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 in the know what was going on in civilization. Yeah. Right? I'm a sucker for anything talk, conversation, <laughs> issues, let's I love discourse, but I also love music. And I, you know, I also love, you know, what's, you know, just, just let's have a debate. Let's yeah. learn and together. Yeah. So for me, you know, this is why I love podcasts so much, right? Yeah. You get to, you get a relationship with the personalities and the hosts. So for me, it would be a radio. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. And perhaps you could type out Morse code when you're ready to get rescued. Who yes. <laughs> dot, 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 dash, 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 dot, dot, dot. I had walkie talkies as a kid. And it had a built-in Morse code thing, and it had the little thing on it. You were told you what every letter was. And, yeah. of course, you only learn SOS. That's all you know. And, I, and after that, I'm screwed. So. Well, that will get you off the island. No, no, it won't. I probably just do SOS, as big as life in the sand, as opposed to the dot, 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 dash, dash, dash. Anyway, there we go. What about um, your hero yeah. or Shiro? Oh. 
Okay. So this is going to sound cliche. It would be my wife because she has put up with so much crap and put all of us first. She dances around my crankiness and has learned how to manage me. She could give lessons to my sales reps um, all the whole time forcing my kids and I to be better people by asking us hard questions and putting us in situations. You know, I go back to stupid things like Christmas is past. Okay, well, we're going to go to a food kitchen and we're going to serve, mm-hmm. right? And like, honey, it's just, I'm on vacation. No, we're going to a food kitchen and we're going to serve. Yes, dear. Uh, and then afterwards you do that, you're like, you know what? That just felt good beyond, I, I, that's an example. So my wife is my hero. You can't tell her that though, because it will go over her head and I will not hear the end of it. <laughs> I'm going to tell her. And <laughs> you, I knew you would. It's been an absolute pleasure. We're going to have to do this again. I've really enjoyed it. So um, let tell listeners how they can get hold of you. Listen, it's really simple. LinkedIn, obviously, but do go to Google. How's this? Go to Google, type in the word prail, all right? It's like P-R-A-I-L-L. I'm going to be 98% of the hits. There is one person that beats me on the number one list. It annoys the hell out of me. Apparently, it's some distant relative out in Western Canada who killed their mother. And apparently, <laughs> killing your mother makes you more newsworthy than Daryl Prail of Vanilla Soft. So if you skip, yeah, skip them because they're in jail. They won't talk to you. <laughs> Any other link after that, you'll find me. All right. Well, that's that's. We won't need Morse code to find you then. <laughs> no Morse code. No. <laughs> Thank you for being a guest on Scale Your Sales podcast, Daryl. I love it. Thank you. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Scale Your Sales. Feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn or Twitter, Janice B. Gordon, to comment and share. I'd love it if you would leave a review on ratethispodcast.com slash scale your sales. Please subscribe for more weekly expert insights to scale your sales.